This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, why not? Give it a shot. Doesn't hurt. This is episode number 24, and in this episode, I sit down with Justin Steinberg and Matthew Brodsky of Sacred Vice Brewing Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. These two cousins tell me how they're dealing with the pandemic, how they got their name, and the story about how their Sunday family gatherings turned into homebrewing days that had ultimately led them to open their brewery. They may be open in the city of brotherly love, but let me tell you, these two cousins got along so well during the interview, they might as well be brothers. As corny as that may seem, I still think you should listen to the interview because it's way better than that joke. So, sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Justin Steinberg and Matthew Brodsky of Sacred Vice Brewing Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Cousins Justin and Matt's families would meet every Sunday for breakfast or to watch their beloved Eagles play. On Christmas, Justin gave Matt a book about the history of Philadelphia. The book had also talked about the history of the brewing industry in Philly. Not too long after, while having drinks at a local jazz club, Matt and Justin decided to start home brewing. From there on, every Sunday became a brew day that started in Matt's kitchen, that slowly got pushed to the outside deck of their home, that slowly turned into them having to lease a space in July of 2016 that would become known as Sacred Vice Brewing Company. Justin and Matt, thank you for being with me. Yeah, thanks for having us, Michael. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. So, uh, just real quick, you opened in 2018, correct? Yeah, it was like December 2018. We opened uh, opened our doors to the public. Right. So you opened for about a year before this whole COVID situation hit. That's correct. How much of a shock was that, and how did you adjust? How'd you go about adjusting? Uh, I'll jump in here too. So yeah. it was the one thing that we we looked back and laughed at was incredibly prescient or timely, whatever word you want to use. We we purchased right at the end of of last year we had a little extra money lying around that we had to use and we were like always wanting to get a a small manual canning machine so we had purchased that right at the turn of the new year so we had that it's literally sat in a box for the first what three months of the year but once every once the pandemic started to hit and things got real and we realized everything was going to need to shut down for the safety of everybody we Whipped that canning machine out and certainly learned to use it real quick. And there was a real quick pivot uh, for us. And we were certainly grateful that we had it and didn't know what to expect being able to just then sling cans safely from our loading dock one day a week. But it's it's worked out and we're certainly grateful that we're still able to go and, you know, give some people some beer and do it safely. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was a bit of, a, you know, as everybody experienced a bit of a heady time when uh, when COVID first struck and uh you know i think you know at first we were kind of resigned to uh basically just shut down and and, you know weather the storm but then in pennsylvania you know the the governor had i don't know if he did it on purpose or not but he had he had designated breweries as essential businesses right so you know after we talked a lot about it and kind of just kept an eye on what other breweries were doing and we figured out a way to open and be really safe about um, curbside pickups. Um, we were like, you know what, Let, let's give it a go. And and one of the things we did, I don't know if it was to like salve our conscience or, or what, but like since we've been selling during COVID, you know, every week we, we um, 
people people want to give us you know tips when they pick up or when you know online when they buy beer and so we decided like you know don't give us tips like if you if you're going to give us tips we're going to give that money directly to a charity every week and we're going to match every dollar um, of that charity so when we first opened up um, a lot of the charities as you might expect were like covid related um you know rest lo- you know giving local restaurants money to deliver food to, to, to healthcare providers or, you know, helping uh, the less fortunate in the city of Philadelphia cope with COVID. And then some of the charities kind of pivoted to being more about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and uh, all those, um, you know, race matters issues that kind of came up. And then and then just last week, you know, we've, we, we started asking our customers what charities they wanted us to to uh to collect money for and so we did make a wish last week so so i think that's a big part of what we what we've been doing since covid is really kind of uh you know i i like me personally i still feel a little uncomfortable being open while you know there's so much suffering out there and um but what kind of makes me feel better about it is one i think people like to get out and 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 uh you know, go buy beer and drink beer during COVID. So I think we're probably paying, you know, playing a little bit of a, a public service uh, there. But also because we're giving money to charity, I think that I think that's a, a cool aspect of us being open too. Yeah, absolutely. It's really awesome of you guys do something like that. I mean, ha- you know, pass it on down the line. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be one. I think it'd be one thing, Michael, if we had employees and 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 um, <laughs> and like we we give the you know obviously all those tips will go to our employees, but it's just me and Justin. So it's like, look, you know, we we don't we don't you know, not to say we couldn't use the money, but but I think I think it could be better spent by giving it to uh, giving it to local charities. Really? So right now you you have no employees, or you will have like just a select few, or we we've, we've never had employees. It's really. Wow. It's, always, it's always been just the two of us doing every little bit of everything. So because I know a lot of people have like, you know, they have their brewery and then they have their, their actual job. And like the brewery is almost like a side job. Do you, either of you have a, a job on the side or is like, this is it? No, we most certainly do have other, yeah, we have both, we have careers ourselves. And My God. <laughs> all, all brewing dreams, certainly it's what, what we both call what I call a passion project and it's developing into something and, and rather quickly right. um, because Matthew might say not quick enough but it's certainly uh, COVID <laughs> didn't help that but right. we do have other gigs and, and from the get-go from the very beginning it's just been the two of us sharing the, the brewing responsibilities from you know washing kegs developing recipes serving the beer in the tasting room when it was open right. and certainly you know selling cans safely from the loading dock now Michael, speaking of other jobs, just let's be on the record and say, like, we're doing this interview not between nine and five, because technically... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You both have uh, families? Are you both married, or...? Justin's, uh, Justin's swinging single, but, uh, yeah, I have, I have uh, a <laughs> I got I got a wife and three kids. Okay, two so... Two dogs, two cats. Gotcha. So not from... for me yet, Michael. Not yet for me. All right. From the family standpoint, how is it uh, to balance that? And like, even if, you know, just I know from myself from trying to balance, uh, I mean, I don't have a business personally, but I can imagine that having a business and then having side jobs can be a little bit hectic. Um, how do you guys go about balancing all that? I, I, just have, I just have a lot of guilt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that loud and clear. I, for, speaking for me, I don't have a family. I certainly don't. Like, I, I'm always 
incredibly impressed with with Matthew juggling, you know, sacred vice duties, having having his his gig that he has incredible responsibilities for, but also then obviously the biggest responsibility having you know children to take care of and a, and a wife to be a good partner to. So that's certainly different than what I have. Um, I do have another business that is my own, so it's been fun juggling and being an entrepreneur with two different businesses. Right. I know for the first year it was fun, like working almost. Seven days a week. Recently, I've been trying to take some days off just to at least have it a day from time to time to, to recharge. But that certainly becomes a brew day. I'm brewing this Sunday. But it's all fun. All fun for sure. Right. How important is a, a mental break for both of you? For me, I didn't realize how important I think that was and how much better I performed at either job or just in life in general with having some time to yourself to you know, shut down, whether you read or just take time to yourself, get outside, do something for your own mental well-being. That's certainly important. And I think I was taking that for granted for, for quite some time. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I just learned to maximize the little, little mental break times that I get here and there. Like the, the car ride from the brewery to my house. <laughs> you don't get any mental breaks, man. That's, that's <laughs> five minutes. It's like precious. Yeah. Uh, so I, I take advantage of those little spots when I get them. Right, right. I know some people advise against it. How would you get? What would you guys say is are the ups and downs of being in business with family? Don't hold back. <laughs> we, 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 we're we're very close cousins. Like I don't, I don't have a brother. Matthew does have a brother or other cousin. And growing up, all. Me and my two sisters, Matthew, his brother and sister, the six of us, we're very close, spending every single summer together and obviously spending those early Sundays right. through even the winter months together. I don't have a brother. If I, The closest thing I do have would be Matthew, so we certainly argue and fight like brothers sometimes. It'd be funny in the tasting room on a Saturday, our customers getting to watch us argue like brothers about the stupidest, silliest stuff, so right. it can be frustrating at times, but it's also, to me, rewarding just because of the shared past of knowing each other so well and knowing when certain things are serious or not serious. And I don't know that, that familial connection is, I think I love it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we mostly communicate by text. So I, I think it's kind of, <laughs> I think that limits a lot of the, the collateral damage. Of, uh, Agreed. Uh, <laughs> you know, so by the time we get it and we're both working together and the, um, in the brewery together, whether it's when we're canning or or uh, selling on Saturdays or the rare occasion brewing together, um, you know we have some lively lively discussions. But I don't I don't really think there's at least I knock on wood, you know, we haven't experienced really the, the downsides of being family and working together. Just because we, not that we think alike, but I kind of know how he thinks and can't I can anticipate like okay if I if I come up with this idea like it's probably going to make him really upset so let's come up with this idea <laughs> and see what happens right. Vi- and vice versa and vice versa just uh, vibing off of each other kind of huh for sure yeah so what is something you never thought you were going to have to deal with in this industry I think one thing that surprised me is just how good how good everybody is like I, I you know you kind of go into it and it's a, you know you know it's going to be a crowded field even when we started four years ago, it was crowded and it's only gotten even more crowded. But what, what surprised me is, okay, everybody's obviously, there's, there's not a lot of people who make really, really super awesome 
fantastic, like world class beer, but there's a lot of people making excellent beer and good beer. Right. Um, and on top of that, there's a lot of breweries, even if they're not making good beer, they're really good at marketing it um, and getting out there. Um, and that that to me surprised me, like just how 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 good the the marketing is out there and how how good some breweries are in terms of building their their community and their fan base and really kind of you know having loyal followings of, of people that will buy their beer no matter what they put out right one thing that surprised me because i certainly went into the decision to to go this route blind and didn't, we both didn't know what to expect but when we first opened and opened a tasting room if you i mean it's hard to go and describe over over a podcast obviously but the space itself, it's its not in the best neighborhood in Philadelphia. It's certainly a very old, dilapidated building, a building with character. But creating this tasting room in this tiny little space where literally our little brew house is 15 feet away. We only had a little small eight-person seat, eight seat bar. I didn't, we didn't know if anybody was going to show up, if we'd have customers of any kind. It was very much a crapshoot right. and, and not knowing what to expect. And I think we were overwhelmed with the way people fell in love with the space and, and hopefully a little bit the beer and, and us and what little thing we created through that first year prior to 2020. So I was most surprised that we were able to create something that had some traction and that certainly people connected with. Right. So I'm sure you've met many people in the beer industry as of now. Um, who do you think inspired you guys the most? Uh, that's definitely a Justin question. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, to speak recently, just because it's a top of mind, I, I so I just got back recently from a little trip, uh, a family trip down to Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. And and certainly went wherever I travel, um, whether it's in the country or throughout the world. The two two things I'm always looking for are, are where the record shops and. What, what beer is being made locally right. um, so getting to go and, and visit a bunch of breweries down in Asheville it, that served as an inspiration and I've been intrigued recently with just the beer that's being made by people who have basically farm breweries legit farm breweries where they're growing a ton of their own ingredients whether it even be the fruits that they're using to make certain beers so I mean I, I was thrilled even getting to go to Fanta Flores Brewery um down in Nebo, North Carolina, on their farm, that was something that was just eye-opening in the way that they approached the entire beer-making process and, and the beer that they're making. Right. Um, yeah, but even locally, back up to even in the Philly region too, we, we, we're lucky to have a a little small network of some much much larger breweries than us, and it's great just to be able to go and bounce ideas off of. I don't have professional brewing experience. I mean, Matt doesn't either, so. I do enjoy getting to have certain conversations where I get to bounce ideas or learn some things just because that's part of our, the education part that I'm lacking in. So before you were talking about your tap room and the size of it, and you weren't sure if people were going to show up, I was looking at pictures online and the ambiance, the, the decor of it, who chose that is very, I don't know, it's very uh, not brewery looking I don't and that's know. the and that's the, the sweetest thing you've ever said to me Michael I don't right. know you that well right. yes. it's music to my ears I think, I think it's, I, I think it's very cool it's very I did not like it's very loungy about, looking 
which I yeah, I, be comfortable. It's like right. a living room, a bar and a living room is what we kind of like to say. Okay. Um, but one one thing, if I could just chime in and start there, it's one thing I personally didn't like a, a lot about a lot of breweries you get to visit across the country, across the world, is a lot just have this large industrial feel, and I get it. They're breweries; they're meant to make beer, and maybe sometimes the tasting room itself and the experience somebody has is, you know, an afterthought. Right. So that was certainly something that mattered to us, and knowing where we are and the size that we were, we, we wanted to do something different. But the actual look and feel was kind of more of an organic collaboration between both of us, not knowing the direction we wanted to go in. And if I could pass the baton to you there, Matt, I mean, wrap that up too with how we decorated and what we did with the space. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, a lot of what we have in there was taken from uh, taken from the house of or the homes of folks from our family so our grandparents house or my dad's house uh justin's house that he grew up in um so a lot of the stuff in there even though it kind of in a way it's kind of a like a you know an old lady's living room vibe right there's there's, there's meaning to most everything in there whether it's a lamp certainly all the pictures that we have up on the wall those are all our relatives whether whether you know we knew them or they're like you know second third fourth generation ancestors so we don't we don't know who they are but we found the picture under our grandmother's bed so we know it has to be somebody important um so we so we have them up there um but i i, I think it you know it was it kind of evolved that way it, it suits the space it's this big old warehouse big old um looking building it wasn't actually a warehouse it used to be like a textile mill and so it's this beat up old building that's over 100 years old and you come into our space and it's like you know an old lady's living room and it, it just kind of goes I and mean, we justin and i when we first opened we had a lot of back and forth about okay do we need to get high tables and um you know have more space for people to to to, to be able to, to socialize um and we kind of voted against and we kind of kept pushing in um, in the direction of okay, let's get couches and comfy chairs, um, and and it and it's worked. And you got the the music playing, and um, you know anybody can go up and put a put a record on. Um, and it just it, I think people the 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 experience that you know just going by what people have told us, and they might be blowing uh, hot air at us, but you know what but I, we've had enough people tell us this that it, it's got to be there's got to be some truth to it but people come in they don't know what to expect um they come in they get a beer they sit down you know expecting to just to have one beer and like five six beers later they're you know they're there for like an hour two hours three hours and they're like just they, they just didn't leave because they got so comfortable in the space yeah, it's got it's definitely got a cool vibe to it for sure um so that leads to my next question. How did you guys come up with the name for your brewery? Yeah, you want to <laughs> take that, <laughs> Sure. sure. I've, I've, I've given this one a few times, Tim, and I think that probably laughs at me each time we say it. Um, yeah, Sacred Vice. So, I mean, I, like, like you had mentioned right in the intro and like we talked about a couple of times, we growing up, Sunday was a special day, not that our families were particularly religious, but our family was was our religion, so to speak. And, right. and we, every single Sunday, would get together and, and, you know, just spend family time together, sharing meals, watching sports, you know, whatever time of the year it was, doing something together. Um, and certainly that traveled over to Sunday becoming our brew day when we first started homebrewing. And even once we got kicked out of Matthew's house and, and started 
brewing there in the space that became Sacred Vice, when we started, it was both us still together every single Sunday. We now had the divide and conquer just to be able to make more beer um, over the course of, of a week. But Sunday was a special day. That was the sacred part to us. Sundays were sacred. Right. And as for Vice, I mean, I, I haven't been in a, a, a shit ton of trouble in my life. Um, but if I've ever been in a little trouble, you better believe that beer's been involved. And <laughs> I don't have many vices, but I'd say beer might be one of them. If I yeah, had to say that, so that would be sacred vice. All right. So yeah, it, it's certainly a vice. Sorry to cut you off, Mike. No, no worries. Go ahead. Beer, beer is certainly a vice for Justin. Don't let him. Know that. <laughs> well, it's definitely a vice for me as well. My whole fridge could tell the story. <laughs> um. So how do you how do you both define success in your own minds? And was there a de- defining moment for you that you knew you guys were doing really well? Because Justin and I probably have different definitions of success. Right, as as most people do, as most people do, yeah. right? Yeah, like not not that I expect to like grow the business in a couple of years and sell out for you know a hundred million dollars. Not not that that's happening anymore, but. Um, but if it worked possible, that's yeah, not necessarily my definition of success, but I do want to try to grow it into a sustainable long-term brewery business. And so that would mean moving into a bigger space, getting a, you know, a, a bigger, uh, more, um, you know, economically viable system. Um, and actually having employees and, you know, having it be a real, not that we don't have a real live brewery business now, but I think you kind of know what I mean. Like something that can be open almost every day of the week, um, and, and serve all different styles of beer, distribute to, you know, bars we like to distribute to in the Philly and surrounding areas. And, and, and I think we're somewhat limited in being able to do that now just because of our time constraints and our you know, a half barrel system that we have. So, right. so to me that, that would be uh, the definition of success. Yeah. And, and, and for the record, I, I agree with everything that the cuss just said there. Right. I truly, truly do. And that certainly would be one measure of success, but, and then certainly that's, I think uh, a great, that would be success on, on the macro level, taking things back and looking at it more micro from a different uh, vantage point. I started to feel some success when, people would come back and bring friends and it happens more often than not, or at least it did when we were open. Right. Um, I still get thrilled even Saturdays when we have brand new customers coming up just to come and try our beer because a, we are incredibly tiny, certainly hidden. Um, and we're not out there as much. So I think a lot of, of, of our local market still doesn't really know that much about us. So I get thrilled and just did really, um, you know, jazzed over new customers coming and finding us, and certainly success early on for me when we had the taster was the repeat customers bringing their friends, family members, just to come and, and share an experience with us. So, I always ask this question, and um, I mean, me and my me and my cousin, who are really close, uh, always seem to have this question. But what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? I love this question. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Me too. It's always interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah, you go first, bud. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm going to share my age here. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I went to school up in upstate New York, and um, 
and there was a bar down the street from from where I live called Chapter House. It, it's since burned down. I'm not sure if they built it back up, but it was it was just like the, the, the beer bar in town. If you if you if, when you got to be 21, because they were really hard carters. When you got to be 21, that's like that's the first bar you went to if you right. like beer. And so I'd go there and like it'd be like a Saranac. Um, um, Black Forest, or like it, it, for some reason, like they they uh, they might even have had like Sierra Nevada back in the day in there. Um, really, right. but it was like it was. It, it, and the craft beer wasn't called craft beer. I don't even know if it was called micro breweries back then. It was just like okay, here's something different than PBR and Natty Light. Right. Um, and so that so it was like I, I hate to admit it. I think it was Saranac was my my gateway drug into uh, into craft beer right yeah for for me certainly the first beer that like opened my eyes to something that that wasn't just you know macro lager was and that you said it too was sierra nevada paleo which i think is a lot of people's um certainly still one of my favorite beers to drink um having not being able to drink them as much but i remember having those early on in age of a minute but probably high school whether it be going to, to concerts and, and trying that and that was eye-opening but I'd also add in, I remember the first summer I had some older friends and still, I think I was, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but still a junior or senior in high school. And my <laughs> one friend came back from Westchester University, which isn't far from Victory, and brought oh, yeah. back, I remember Hot Devil and, and tasting that for the first time. And that, I vividly remember drinking that in my backyard and being like, wow, this is, that's a totally different world of flavor than, than um, some of the other beers. Yeah, yeah Hop Devil's amazing. I love that beer. Yeah. Justin's story reminded me, like, when I, I moved back to Philly in, like, 2003, 2004, and, uh, you know, you get back to the whole idea of the history of the Philly beer scene. Like, when I when I moved back then, like, Yards was just starting to get all over the place in the city, and that Yards, uh, you know, Yards Pale Ale, it, to me, is also, like, just a, a classic, at least regionally around here. Like, it just... Right. Um, you know, kind of took over the city, took it away from Yingling Lager. Like, it used to be a lager town, and then it became a Philly Pale Ale town. Gotcha, yeah. I know Yards has just become a monster in Philly. Not, I don't see a lot of Yards in, in New York, to be honest with you. But... I don't think they're in New York. Yeah? Really? Believe it or not. I've, ha- I've, I've, had their, yeah. I've had their yeah, stuff before. I've had their stuff mm-hmm. before, but I hear that there's just a monster in Philly, so that's... And I hear they're amazing, so I'm definitely down to try some more of their stuff. What advice would you give to somebody that wanted to open their own brewery? I, if I had to say anything, it's... it's work on, From a recipe standpoint, work on your classics. It's still something that we go back to and we both tend to drink a lot of, I think, and we like a lot. Don't get me wrong, we're all over the place with the different styles of beer we make and like to drink. Right. But being able to really hone in a few recipes with some classic styles, which certainly aren't going to pay your bills um, and, and put money in the bank or maybe even butts in the seats, but it's going to certainly help you start to go and branch out with the development of recipes for other more popular styles. But having a good core understanding of the backbone of, of those recipes, it's something I specifically learned from Matthew. Um with just being able to really hone in and dial in with some classic styles. That's something that I think every brewer, whether you're a home brewer or venturing into the world of, of having your own brewery, that's something that they need as a tool in their pocket. Right, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I guess I just I just throw out one thing and be like, when you're figuring out if you want to do it, I, I, I think the question to ask yourself, besides all the other standard business questions, would be like, what, like what, what's what's new? Like what 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 are you going to bring to the table? Because what is there like eight thousand breweries now? And, mm-hmm. and if you're going into a market like Philadelphia where there's so many already it's like what what's going to be different about you like what what value are you going to bring like why are going to why are people going to want to drink what you produce like is it going to just be another hazy or another fruit bomb that you're going to produce um not to say that those aren't worth bringing to the market but i, I think you got to kind of know what your niche is going to be um and not to say that that can't change over time but you certainly want to kind of enter the market knowing knowing what you're doing and, and if I could chime in there too at the end, because uh, it just comes to my mind too, I would also, along those same lines, tell somebody, as much as obviously the, at the end of the day, you're a brewery, the beer is what's most important, but take a little time to really think about what a person's experience is going to be when they come to visit you and, and you know, choose you to go spend a couple of hours of their, their weekend or during the week to have a few beers. Cater to their, create the experience for them too. You know, the beer matters, but so much more matters when somebody comes to go and drink that beer in a certain environment amongst other people and in a space. That space matters. Curate that and spend a little time thinking about what the experience is going to entail. Yeah, right. I talk about that with my buddy all the time when you talk about honing in recipes. I was like, I feel like that's exactly what like Montauk did because I'm like, Montauk doesn't have like a huge selection. But they have those certain beers. I don't know if you're familiar with Montauk Brewing. I'm honestly not. I don't think I've had a beer by Montauk. So, yeah, so like they just, I mean, they're all over New York now. Um, but like they have just like a certain amount of beers and they're all, they're all very tasty. And like, they, I feel like that's what they did. They like perfected their recipes and just like, all right, we're just going to put out these beers. And no like crazy special beers every so often. They just, and everybody loves their stuff. Um... So did you guys have happen to have a funny story for us? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could. We we talked about a, a, a few. The one that still makes me shake my head every <laughs> single time is is so. We we got that space in 2016. We decided to to buy our little pilot system. We ripped that thing off the the pallet that it came on, put it together to the best of our knowledge, just by looking at the way it was supposed to to be put together. Didn't even look at the instructions, didn't watch any YouTube videos, didn't do anything <laughs> at all, and just expected to be able to go and, and plug this thing in, toss our ingredients in, and brew a beer like as if we were brewing outside or in Matt's kitchen. And that first time, you better believe it, two hours later, we were dumping everything right out. Mm-hmm. You know, spent grain, or what was not even spent grain at that point in time, out into the grass out front of our brewery. But it shocks me that we had this system that that cost uh you know not the most expensive system in the world but it was not cheap either and we just expected to go and just dump stuff in didn't look at instructions didn't know how to go and run this thing and we thought that was gonna that was gonna go and work and i shake my head at myself every single time now and i learned from that point forward to go and actually spend some time learning how a, a machine works before you go in and try to go and start something Right. So it's maybe only funny to me just because I look at what an idiot that I felt like for thinking that it was going to work just by plugging that thing into the wall and using what little knowledge I had. How about you, Cuz? Yeah, I, that, that, 
even you just saying it now, Justin, it wasn't funny to me. I was still, you know, about to cry remembering <laughs> that experience. <laughs> yeah, I was more more angry with myself. Like, what are you, what are you? you're an idiot, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, learning lessons. That was gonna work. <laughs> yeah. So I have a little a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Uh, five quick questions. Uh, you both can answer. Um, just like one to two word answer. Um, ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of Sacred Vice's beers that you would recommend someone try. Yeah. Northburg. Northburg Pillow. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd say uh, our Life Party Porter. All right. Favorite brewery other than your own? Forest and Main. Trogues out in Harrisburg. That's probably That's my favorite. Yeah. That's Trogues. a good one. is good. Uh, favorite style of beer? Pale ale. Oh, uh, I don't know. What, what time of day is it? What day is it? <laughs> <laughs> Say after work. If, if Whichever job. Pick a job. <laughs> uh, 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 I, as strong a beer as I can find. <laughs> All right, with that being... Stiff wounds. <laughs> All right, uh, barrel-aged, imperial, or both? Barrel-aged. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go imperial. Imperial. <laughs> Based off that last question? Yeah. <laughs> last question. You have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? I'll, stick, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take a barrel of Sierra Nevada Pelo. There you go. I'd have to go with Tired Hands Alien Church. Ooh, good choice. I, I don't know if that, or, uh, you know what, their latest, they have uh, Punch. I'd go with Punch, a keg of Punch. Keg of Punch. Sounds yeah, so, sounds silly, but I'm sure it's delicious. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's probably, I don't know if it's a double or a single, but it's probably, their Tired Hands, my, my favorite, um, IPA from that. Yeah, I need to make a trip up to Tired Hands. I've had some of their stuff, but uh, not enough. Worth it, man. Yeah. Make good beer. Well, uh, Justin and Matt, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you so much for being with me, man. Appreciate Thank it. you, Michael. Thank Appreciate you. It, man. Yeah, this was fun, Michael. Thanks for thanks for inviting us. Not a problem. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast. Here with Justin and Matt from Sacred Vice. Have a good one. Hey guys, so that was my interview with Justin Steinberg and Matthew Brodsky of Sacred Vice Brewing Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check them out if you're in Philly, passing through, or you just live in the area. Every other Sunday I'll be posting a new podcast, so stay tuned and like I said, subscribe, and you'll never miss another episode. Also, give us a follow on our social media accounts as well. Why not? I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and you stay safe out there.